the power of pragmatic passion. Take a listen. Nothing like having a brand new book in your hand that you can't wait to sink into. Seven Common Sense Principles for Achieving Personal and Professional Success. This is a great conversation with a great man. I was glad and honored to be sitting across from him uh, because he has so much passion. And he has so much excitement in his voice. Even though he's already done so much, he's excited to do more. That's the kind of people you have to love to be around. Man, this is a great conversation. Joe Batista, he lives by father, coach, mentor, dream big, keep it real, and get it done. That's his mantra, and I love it. I can't wait to read this book. And if you don't know what Joe has done, uh, as far as in uh, the area of Penn State University of Pennsylvania, this guy is somewhat of a legend. 30 years of coaching experience, 512 wins, six ACHA national titles with Penn State. Uh, He's a member of the American Collegiate Hockey Association Hall of Fame, Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame, Penn State Hockey Hall of Fame, the Penn Hills Hall of Fame. He also coached, he was the Vice President of Hockey and Business Administration for the Buffalo Sabres for the NHL. From 2013 until 2015, he also secured during his administration the biggest donation in Penn State's history, $88 million gifted from Terry and Kim Pagula to build the Pagula Ice Arena and make Penn State hockey a Division I team. After he did all of that in 2016, he became the man of pragmatic passion, dreaming big, keeping it real, and getting her done. I threw the getting her done in there because I felt like I had to. But he is now a consultant focusing on keynote and motivational speaking, success coaching, and business development. And once you hear him talk, you'll understand why. I really hope that you get a lot out of this conversation. Or at least get as much out of it as I did because I had so much fun talking to Joe and I feel like he's going to be coming back in at some point in time. we got to dive even deeper and we spend a lot of time together. So... Before we get him in there, listen, I got to shout out to one of my uh, favorite sponsors ever because I am totally obsessed right now with float tanks. What is a float tank? Well, it's like a, a sensory deprivation tank. It's a place where you can go to cut off all the senses and let your mind relax, let your mind go and just, as it's called a float tank, let your mind float. So you're floating in... Uh, salt water, magnesium sulfate, which is very good for your skin, very good for your body. Uh, Some of the known claims for flotation therapy are promoting overall relaxation throughout the body, decreasing symptoms of anxiety and depression, uh, lessening muscle and joint pain, improving sleep patterns. I I can't talk about how great float therapy is enough. I'm six floats in, and from the first time I got in there until the last time I got out of there, it's been changing the way my brain works. And in, in ways that it's really, it's hard to describe. You have to experience it for yourself. I float at the LHTA Wellness Center in Evansburg, Pennsylvania. The LHTA Wellness Center. Check them out online. Or you can call them up at 814-471-6871. If you're not from central Pennsylvania, listen, you can float anywhere. Just get your float on. Find a place near you. If you're in central PA, LHTA Wellness Center. Let's start the show. This is Rob Z Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today with me is Joe Batista. Hello, sir. What's happening, Rob? Not too much. Thank you for being here today. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to be here. 
So this is going to be a great episode. It's a lot of motivation, uh, a lot of inspiration, I think, is going to come out of this for a lot of people. Before we get rolling and really get deep into things, uh, give people a brief background on your history, what you're all about, and what brought you to where you're at today. Well, I'm, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, uh, went to school at Penn State. So I've been in this neck of the woods most of my career. I had a couple of stints out of out of state, but uh, for the most part, I've been back here all this uh, time. And uh, wayward uh, youth uh, came to Penn State to be a nuclear engineer. Wow! And uh, that lasted two years. And uh, back uh, back then, we called that pre-business. And uh, so I switched <laughs> into uh, marketing. I uh, got my degree. I, I was passionate about sports. And, ex- and obsessed with hockey as a kid. And, uh, you know, I found I was fortunate, Rob, to find a, a counselor up at Penn State who uh, halfway through my career up there spent the time, took the time to get to know me, get to know what I was about, gave me some assessments, and then interpreted them for me, which is mm-hmm. key. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, I, I, why don't you try to do something with hockey just do it on the business side. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I got a job with the Pittsburgh Penguins right out of college. Matter of fact, I got the, the job before I completed my degree, and the Penguins back in that era were so bad that I was able to take a leave of absence and come back and finish my degree <laughs> while the season was still going on. Um, so I, I, I was in sales and marketing, but while I was there, I started coaching the junior Penguins, um, pretty much by accident, the coach of the program left, uh, got got transferred. They asked me to come in and just uh, take over on an interim basis. And three years later, I was still a coach. And it's at that point in my life when I decided, you know, I, I really like coaching. I, uh, my dad was a coach. Um, and I thought, I'm going to give this a shot. So I left, went to graduate school at Kent State, was a grad assistant, and uh, then I went up to Culver Military Academy out near Notre Dame in Indiana, and uh, they have one of the top hockey programs for prep schools in the country. And uh, and then I got a very fortunate break in that uh, Penn State decided to create a position for an assistant arena director and uh, also uh, the hockey coach for the club team there and run the summer hockey camps. And I got it, said I'd do it for five years, see if I'd get the program up to Division One varsity status, and then if it didn't, I'd move on with my life. Uh, 27 years later, I was still there. And, uh, and that was because we made the hockey camps a viable business. Um, yeah. I was running seven to 10 weeks of hockey camp uh, every summer. I uh, loved my job. I got married to a Penn State grad, we started a family, uh, loved it, and then uh, eventually uh, I just got to a point where I was mid-40s and said, you know, probably time for me to grow up, <laughs> and, and, and we hadn't made progress to get it to the varsity level, and okay. I was starting to say, okay, it's time, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I switched into athletic fundraising, and I got a chance to renew a friendship with a gentleman named Terry Pagula. And uh, that was in 2005, and in 2010, uh, Terry and his wife Kim gave us a uh, two different gifts that totaled 102 million dollars. And a nice uh, gift, yeah, that was a couple uh, of nice gifts. It was it, it worked out pretty good. Uh, and we built Pagula Ice Arena, and we transitioned the club hockey programs at Penn State to NCAA Division One for men and women. 
and I became an associate athletic director, did that for three years, and uh, got to enjoy the new arena for about three weeks, and uh, Mr. Pagula asked me to come up to Buffalo to work for the Buffalo Sabres, which he had bought in the interim there. And uh, I was a vice president of the Buffalo Sabres uh, for a couple years at a three-year contract. When it was over, I came back home and uh, tried to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And that was part of what led me to write the book, quite frankly. So that was a long-winded answer to, you know, get people to know. Yeah, so I started my first job was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. My last job was with the Buffalo Sabres. So in between there, I was at Penn State. And now I'm an entrepreneur, an author, published author. So how about that? I think that the the long form of that's fantastic because it gives you an idea that these kind of things don't happen overnight. No, they don't. You don't just spit out a book. Because you haven't done anything, right? You got to have the experience put in, and have all those experiences pile up to the amounts to an amazing story. Well, I I, I think so. I hope That's so. The point, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know I'd, I'd like to think that based on the sales of the book, because I self-published, and I know that they say most self-published books sell about a hundred copies, and I'm mm-hmm. closing in on a thousand books sold, and you know, and and really just getting into it, and. Uh, you know, so far it's done what it was intended to do, and that's to get me more opportunities to speak. I, I am a professional speaker, and I do keynotes, I do workshops, I do one-on-one coaching, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the book uh, has really been uh, terrific to help. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier than to send somebody a copy of the book than a business card yeah. and and get credibility. Yeah, and so I've uh, and I and I'm talking to sports teams, which is a natural tie-in for me as I because. I coach, but also businesses. I spoke to the EPA down in Washington, D.C. I've spoken to the college bookstore managers nationwide, uh, Ameriprise, Remax. So I, I'm, I'm getting around to a lot of different places, and w- whether it's team building, it, uh, it, it's personal and professional development. Uh, I do a program called the Margin of Excellence, uh, which is really, again, these are across any age gender it doesn't matter you know what what type of industry um and then you know given my background i do a lot of stuff with team building which is fun i'm having a ball that's awesome i think the the cool part is and i've heard this for many years and it's very true like going from sports to anything else you can apply all the things that you learned in sports all the discipline all the work ethic the team building aspects that applies to everything else in your life so if you if you really excel at that one thing and i yeah, I used to be a weightlifter, right? And I used to look at weightlifting like the same dedication that you have to that one thing, you can move to other areas of your life and excel at those as well. Because I mean, to to be a really to be a high level in sports, you have to practice every single day. You've got to have a system down. You've got to have a morning routine. You've got to have rituals, right? So that that kind of stuff carries on. I think a lot of people run into the issue. They they leave their world where they have all of their knowledge and try something new and they forget like to take all that stuff they had and implement it move it over with them all those the, whether it's the character traits whether it's the skills the the competencies you know uh, you know you you may remember the old saying no matter where you go there you are yeah. right i love and, that book That's yeah a, and and so if you think about it uh, you why wouldn't you so much of this does 
translate into another career. Um, and, you know, as long as you have a set of core values and uh, the, the skills that you have honed and mastered, they can translate into a lot of different things. And I think the bigger problem that most people have is they don't know what that is. Right. They don't take the time to really know what, what matters. And uh, as as I mentioned to you before we went on the air, I'm I'm looking at you know I I'm a big believer that you ha- you write down your goals and you post them somewhere where you see them every day. And as I'm looking at you over your shoulder, I'm looking at your <laughs> vision, your values, your goals, and I and I am impressed with that. That's, well, thank that, you. That's awesome that and you do that. I have I have a mentor who who did that for me, right? Who had me well a few different people who have I've kind of learned that from. Uh, but for myself personally, I can recall many years ago, my uh, brother-in-law asking me like what my goals were and I was, and he, he would ask me like, what am I good at? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm good at. And, I, and it was kind of around, around that time that it dawned on me like, oh crap, I gotta, that's not good to not know. You should know. And most people don't know. Most well, no, who asked? No idea because nobody ever asked. There's not even a class in school that's asking you that question. And then once they ask you the question, there's like a strategy to figuring that out. It's a process. It's not like, oh, I'm good at this. That's it. Right. Like, no, you got to break it down. There's a great thing. I. It's like a four-piece. Uh, it's like a four-piece puzzle. When you put these four together, and you really, it tells you like what industry you should be in. And the way the, I, I love it because it worked re- really well for me. It was, um, you know, what is something that people, other people tell you you're good at? Mm-hmm. What is something that, uh, if it was a Saturday night? And they gave you the opportunity to talk about whatever you wanted to. You'd pick this subject. Uh, what is something that you wanted to be when you were 14 years old? And the fourth piece of the puzzle, I always forget the fourth piece. Can you get paid for it? <laughs> well, that's the important one, right? But usually if it's something that you're good at and you're passionate about, the money will come. That's what I've yeah. learned is that it might be something – it might be a more of a slow burn, a long-term kind of thing, like podcasting, for example. I mean, I love doing this because I just have a passion for it. Eventually, it'll turn into something really big that I can make a lot of money off of. But in the meantime, I just enjoy doing it. Right. It's fun. And you can tell. See, that your passion shows. And and I, I think, you know, you hear it in your voice. You see it in your body language. And, and I think that's that's the key is, you know, this idea of finding your passion is maybe a little bit of a misnomer. It's creating your passion, taking what skills, what interests, what values you have, and then applying those things. Like you said in your four quadrant, yeah. you know, it's there is a process. There is a way to try to figure out what this is. And by the way, it doesn't always work the first time around yeah. for people. You know, part of this is exploration. It's and I really believe because what I came up with in my book is seven factors and two of the ones that get kind of left out in the equation of where's your sweet spot in my mind are what quality of life do you desire Mm -hmm. and what stage of life you're in i had the time to write this book because of where i was would i have done this 30 years ago well i can tell you the answer is no i wanted to write a book in the mid 90s about the importance of the role of a team captain Mm -hmm. on any athletic team and how do you pick a good captain? What responsibilities you have? And I did all this research, and there was very little material out there. Yet everybody talks about the right. importance of leadership. Yeah. And you know, there's sports teams from little league and you know, bitty soccer 
all the way through the pros, and there was very little information. And I kept saying, I want to write a book about this. And that was in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Well, here it is, you know, 30 years later. I, I didn't do it. Well, Sam Walker did. <laughs> and he's a writer for the Wall Street Journal that wrote a book called The Captain Class. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, doggone it. I, I wanted to do something like this. Well, guess what? Back in the mid-90s, I wasn't ready. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the expertise. Uh, you know, so stage of life does matter to a certain extent. And, you know, this whole quality of life thing, I just have seen too many young people that they, they want this certain lifestyle. But then they aren't willing to do the things that it takes, the sacrifices, the becoming a master of a craft that allows you to get that. They want the lifestyle, but they don't necessarily want to do the work. And if you got all if you got the lifestyle without doing all the work, it would all fall apart. It's like winning the lottery, right? We know how that works out for a lot of people. They when you haven't earned it, when you haven't gone through the, the the rigors and the discipline uh, it's easy to fritter it all away, right? And yeah. So I, I really am a believer that when you go out and earn it, it matters that much more. And, you know, I, I do think that it comes back to, you know, if if all you're after in life are those material things, that's kind of sad in a way because to me it really is about family. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's about achieving certain things as well. There's no doubt about that. And and you know what? If you do all those things, typically the material things kind of come along. Yes. But to right. go after that, and that's all you have, because I talk about this in the book, that some of the most celebrated people, most successful people, when we look at the media. Uh, whether it's professional athletics, it's business, uh, entertainment, they live some of the most tragic lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets back to they don't know what their values are. They really don't know what matters to them. Uh, They might have gotten a little lucky somewhere along the way. And then when they get that, you know, you see, I mean, we know in sports, you know, how many of them end up broke. Yeah. Because they never had the discipline. They never understood the value of that dollar. And it's easy for them to just, you know, make impulsive decisions that end up leading them down the wrong path. Yeah, it's so true. It happens time and time again. Jim Carrey has this, the actor Jim Carrey has this awesome quote. Uh, it's something along the lines of, I wish everybody would get everything they've ever wanted in life to realize that's not the answer. Like to realize you want all this fame and success and all this stuff. And then once you get there, you're like, oh, wait, that's not what the, the point was. Right. I and mean, that stuff's nice. It's temporary. It is temporary. Right? right? It is. And that, by the way, that gets back to people who, like, their goal is, I just want to be happy. Yeah. Well, if it were that easy, <laughs> right? And, and happiness is kind of a, a fluid emotion, correct? It's, yeah. it's not, you know, not every day is going to be championship day. Yeah. Right. Not every day do you get to be, uh, you know, the rock star on the stage. Right. Um, most days for all of us are the days we're grinding it out. And, you know, it's the attitude that you take with you into each and every day that matters. Well, my son and I were talking about this earlier today that, you know, you just don't want to be around these negative Neds and Debbie Downers and people that are just, you know, always talking about what other people have and, you know, well, you know, does anybody want to be 
Like, really? You wake up in the morning and go, oh, yeah, I want to hang out with that person, right? Not too many people do. So it, it does matter what attitude you bring to everything you do. And Yeah, and to sift your way through those people too, right? To, like, be able to realize, oh, wait, this is not the right path. These aren't the right people to be around because – Nobody really gives you that direction. That's not something that, I mean, hopefully you have parents that talk to you about that kind of stuff. I didn't really. My my mom would let me kind of find my own friends and she wouldn't have, like, uh, approval or disapproval on them. Like, I wish she would have. Because looking back on it, I had some people that I never should have been hanging out with. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good that you've realized that now. Yeah, I wish right? it would have happened sooner, but, you know, whatever. That's how things work well, out. Well, but I, and I, it's, I it's a good lesson to learn, I guess. It, well, what it goes back to, though, is you needed that accountability partner. And yeah. that's something that also is lacking no matter where you go. Um, again, because I spent most of my career in athletics, you know, the coach – was the boss, right? You know, the coach's boss was the athletic director. You know, the the players on the team, there was kind of a hierarchy, right? And and you you had you held each other accountable, right? Well that doesn't happen all the time out in regular life. It doesn't yeah. happen in the offices. Uh, I I find that athletes generally can handle getting feedback better than most people because they were used to it. They wanted the coach to tell them, well, how do I get better? What do I need to work on? And the coach usually wasn't afraid to tell them what it was. In the harshest way possible. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and it's different. I get it. You know, a lot of coaching is, you know, it was, you know, uh, motivation through fear. But if you kind of peel the layers of the onion back, it still gets back to somebody was holding you accountable, Mm -hmm. right? So... You need a coach. You need mentors, right? You talked about it earlier. Uh, we all need them. Um, too often, I think people think, "Well, I'm just going to figure out this all on my own." And and you know, today I find it in, uh, interesting because there's more information, more knowledge at our fingertips than ever before. Yeah, that does not replace experience and wisdom, and that's why. You know, it's easy to dismiss us old guys, you know, and gals that, you know, have gray hair and, ah, you know, you lived in the dinosaur age. What do you know? And it's like, well, don't don't ever dismiss. Well, you know, the, the 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 classic things that work don't change. Right. No matter how the technology changes, whatever comes along. I look at marketing the same way. It's like people look at social media marketing as it's this it's this whole brand new thing but really it's just taking the old marketing practices and applying them to a new different vehicle yeah different vehicle it's, i mean not that that the, the stuff that has worked since the days of mad men like back in the 50s it's not going to change it's the same yeah so it's 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 so true and uh, especially with the what i find you mentioned the internet right you mentioned how much information is out there now which is how i've gotten a lot of my knowledge that i've acquired over the past however many years it's like it's all there, and usually most of it's free. You can find most of it on YouTube mm-hmm. without even having to pay any money besides for your phone and your, your internet connection. Uh, but people still won't take the time to go learn that stuff. It's like they want to just have it all of a sudden. Well, and, and the, a piece that's missing is, okay, so when you – I am a big fan of a hybrid combination of utilizing the digital technology but also having that live person that's there to bounce because you watch a YouTube, a TED Talk, yeah. you know, a goal cast, whatever it might be, listen to a podcast, you still don't have that 
vehicle to ask a question, get feedback, talk about some specifics. And, and sometimes it's easy, I think, when you listen to certain people, you know, they give these generic answers mm-hmm. and it's the one size fits all. And what I found is that's bad. That's you don't give the same medication to the same people for different ailments. Right. You if if somebody's really struggling with a career and, you know, doesn't like their job, is crying themselves to sleep at night, you know, kind of thing. The easy answer would be, well, then just quit that job. Well, right. OK, but what if you got. A mortgage to pay what have you got student loans you're trying to pay off you they're they're again yeah you want to try to get away from that toxic environment but you gotta there's got to be a plan yeah there's a process you don't by by all these people that are out there just saying oh just quit that just go find what you love well i still go back to what you love if it doesn't have an economic benefit to it it's just a hobby yeah. It's not going to pay the bills. Um, you can keep working at it, become a master at it, um, but that takes work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you in my going to take time. I, I talk about in 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 my book. Uh, it's the third chapter. It's sacrifice. What are you willing? Okay, you figured out what you love. You think you're good at it. Are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to become a master at that? in order to be able to make it economically viable for you and give you the quality of life you desire at the at a certain stage. Now for some people, you know, right now, you know, people tend to look at things in that short term. Mm-hmm. They don't want to look at it in the one year, three year, five year, forty year. <laughs> it's like, you know, what do you where do you see yourself? And I know that that you, as we talked off the air, that that you know you have somebody that that talks about that. You know, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll hear people say, ah, you know, putting together, a, you know, a career map or a life plan is a waste of time because it's going to change. Well, well of I'm course s- it's going to change. Yeah, but it's. I mean, that's the point. You you have to have. You first have to have the plan. And then you're going to tweak it as time goes on. Amen. I, uh, that's the, but you still have to have an idea of you yeah. know where you're starting and where you want to end up. You know you're going to get detours. You're going to hit you know closed roads along the journey. Um, but you just figure out okay, I need a different vehicle. All right, in order to reach my goal, the goal I thought I wanted. Well, I'm going to have to go back and get a master's degree, or I'm going to have to get a certification, or I'm going to go have to study under somebody, whatever it might be. Um, but rarely does something just fall into your lap, right? It, it's it's you know I, I'm just not a believer that that happens. Luck does favor the prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the point. It's, it's you know, if you've developed skills, you've created a good network, you've done the, the, the diligent part of it, um, then, yeah, you know, when, when that luck, when that opportunity presents itself, right. you're ready to take advantage of it. Yeah. And that's the point. It's, that's it's, what luck actually is. I mean, it, winning the lottery would be luck, I guess, in, in the real sense, right? It's a random thing. You happen to win it. But when you're prepared for something, the opportunity pops up, people call that luck. I mean, really, you've been preparing no. for that thing for years. That, just, they happen to line up at the right time. That happened with Pagul Isarine at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 years. It, it, it did. You know, like there's a lot of people just, you know, their attitude. Wow, well, you know, the Pagulas came in, wrote us a check for 102 million dollars. <laughs> Boom, we had this, you know, right. state of the art, world class facility. And but without and you being there, 
with that vision in place, right, and helping to, to piece that together and knowing the right people. Absolutely, and that you know that's the whole eighth chapter of the book, my book, the the power of pragmatic passion. That, mm-hmm. that you know it talks about how you know yeah we we got a little lucky, no doubt, mm-hmm. but. Had Terry Pagula's son, Michael, not come to hockey camp at Penn State and Terry not been a passionate hockey fan and, and he, he and Kim not having passion for helping other people and passion for Penn State, this would have fallen apart. You know, our first conversation was in the fall of 2005. The gift didn't happen until the August of 2010, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of ha- things happened in there. Uh, it looked like it was going to happen, and then the market crashed in 2009, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, could the hockey gods be any more cruel, right? <laughs> Get us that close, and then, but it did. It happened. It's an amazing accomplishment, but then what I found was, okay, so here I am. I'm, you know, when this took place, the building opens up. I'm 53 years old, and it was almost like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, the the dream came true. My you know, and I, I didn't realize at the time, but I didn't want to be an administrator. That's not me. And that's what I was becoming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wanted the next challenge I wanted to go on. And so what I found was, you know, what was missing was a passion and a purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And now well, still needed to make money. <laughs> I still had to put kids through college and pay the mortgage and that sort of thing. But I... I kind of reached that almost a pinnacle, right, where everything that I had worked for since the time I was 21 years old came true. And it's like, what's next? Yeah. And that's part of what inspired me again to write because I, I can tell my own story that, you know, when I went to the Buffalo Sabres, um, I was not. I don't believe I was in over my head, but I was definitely out of my league. I did not understand the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there were too often times when I believed I was right, but I was not effective in the way I communicated the beliefs that I had and why uh, they differed from some other people. And you know, sometimes when you're the coach, you're used to, okay, well, this is what I've decided. This is the way it's going to be. Well, that's not the way it worked. And, uh, you know, that was a learning experience for me. It was humbling, you know, that, wow, like I don't have all the answers. I can sit back right now and say, you know what? I still believe I was right on most of the things I believed in. Didn't matter. (laughs) I was not able to convince other people that we should have zigged when we zagged. And um, so that was humbling. And, you know, realizing, all right, well, what what do I do? And then I started to think, well, I love, my wife has always said that I was, my first best destiny was to coach, teach other people. I love teaching, instructing, helping other people find their, you know, path. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so now I, I started to think about it. Well, okay, I'm not coaching hockey, but I'm back to coaching. I'm yeah. back to teaching. And that can apply to anything. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I'm having a ball um, it, it, it's not easy, Rob, as you know, started being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have that steady paycheck. You know, you have good months, you got other months, you know, you gotta be a little, you know, worried, a little anxious, but yeah. I get up every day and feel like I've got a purpose and a, and a mission and, and I'm passionate about it. And that goes back to, okay, well, what really matters? What is it I'm trying to get? What do I value? 
Uh, what are the people in my life? My, you know, I have a family now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're 21 years old, and you know, most people at that point don't have families. Some do, I understand, but for the most part, I have an opportunity to um, do some things that I've always wanted to do, but I am still responsible for other people just other than myself. So that's that's a little bit of a limiting factor. And this gets back to having a process. You, you've got to factor those things in. And uh, just, just you know, I, I think we all see the Zuckerbergs of the world and the Bezos of the world and, you know, the people that, that guess what? There aren't a lot of them. No. For most of us, we're going to grind it out. Right? We're gonna, well, they also did, too. I mean, look at Jeff oh, no Bezos. Doubt. He was in his office in, what, 99 or earlier building amazon i mean just like the the slow process of him building that thing or 96 maybe building amazon uh especially in those early years or facebook same way it's just it looks like it all happened all of a sudden when it, it took a long those ten thousand hours were put in behind the scenes and well, nobody and, really had a chance to see that and and like in my era it was beta versus vhs mm-hmm. right now you could look at like what happened to myspace Right? Did I mean they had the same idea, right? Yeah. Basically, as Facebook. Why did Facebook survive and MySpace didn't? And the point there is that you know there's there's always going to be successes and there's going to be failures, and that's how we deal with them. But uh, the the former uh, CEO of Medtronic, Bill George, in his book The True North, uh, talks about how. You know, uh, not everybody can be the CEO. Not everybody can be the president. Not everybody's going to own their own company. They're, they're in enough room for them anyway, right? Like not everybody. Yeah. And, and I think people get this like, well, if I don't make it the CEO, if I don't own my own business, somehow you're a failure. Yeah. And you, that's a mindset. That gets back to attitude. And no, no, you know, I, are you a good spouse? Are you a good parent? Mm-hmm. You know, are you a good person? You know, those things matter too. And too often, as I mentioned before, you've got people that we look at and say, wow, that person's really successful. And you find out they, they've pretty much botched up, you know, their personal lives. Yeah, and they've and lived sacrifice these. sacrifice for and, it. And, you know, it, the, the Dalai Lama talks about how, you know, we, we spend all our time and our health to develop wealth and then in the latter part of our lives we spend all that wealth to get back our health because <laughs> we worked ourselves to the bone and yeah. forgot you know that there has to be some balance and you know you have to have physical spiritual you know mental emotional you know balance and and so again what part of that is what does success mean to you it might be different than the way i measure it and that i will always go back to that's where we don't that's where we fail students in school in college in the vocational schools what no one asks anybody well what matters to you what what is it what how do you how do you define success mm-hmm. and you know that takes time it takes intentional deliberate thought and it to me it will come out better if you follow a process if you have a coach, a mentor, an accountability partner mm-hmm. of some sort that's going to help you along the way and get you over certain hurdles, um, we all need those things. And uh, and even with all that, there's still no guarantee, 
right? Because life throws curveballs at you. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that had great ideas, great entrepreneurship models, et cetera. Well, they just happened to pick it during the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, yeah. right? I, you know, I hope that they would stick with it and maybe resurrect it in a different form after the fact. That's perseverance, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. So, um, to me, it's all exciting and, and, you know, just being able to be in a position now to want to help other people try to figure these things out because it's, it really, uh, you know, in the book I talk about, there's there's one guidance counselor to every 400 to 800 students in public high schools across the country. H- how are they going to help you? I don't think I ever even went to see my guidance counselor once. I don't okay, so I've heard that a thousand <laughs> times, Rob. Yeah. I, I, I ask kids that all the time, and, and, and you'll, you'll occasionally find the kid that had a great relationship, and normally what happens there is, you know, you got a guidance counselor, a teacher, or a coach, some mentor, right, that took an interest in an individual, and that made all the difference. Yeah. Well, uh, I am here to tell you, I am the most, um, uh, I, I, I love to support our guidance counselors. I don't think we have enough of them. I don't think we give enough money to them. Mm-hmm. They are given an impossible task. I'm not criticizing the guidance counselor or the counseling staff. They simply, we as a society, do not put enough of an emphasis on that because kids, kids end up, you know, we, we convinced an entire generation of kids that go to college, it's the only way to be successful, and it doesn't matter what college, it doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter what major, and it doesn't matter how much money. And yeah. what we've created is a generation of 44 million people that owe $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. They've got mortgages and no home to to show for it because we convinced them that was the only, in the meantime, we have this shortage of skilled labor because everybody bought into that. Everybody believed, and even the people in state education. Yeah. Right? Well, it was easy. It's a formula. It's a built formula. You go to school. You go to college. It's like, here's how you do it. That's simple. You don't have to think about it, right? You become an entrepreneur, you have to think about it. You have to mm-hmm. think every day. It's like it's you turn, and once you turn that switch on, it's impossible to turn it off. So then you, then you talk about, uh, you know, the balance part of it, of what I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too over the years, is just like, wow, whenever you start doing stuff on your own, it never ends. Like there's never a point where you're like, all right, I've got it done. Maybe when you have a job, you can, five o'clock comes around, I'm done for the day, I'll come back in tomorrow and start working again. But when you have your own thing, it's like, boy, I, you can't, you don't want to go to sleep. You don't want you, right? Yeah. You, like, and you can can't wait to wake up because you're so excited. You, you have that passion yeah. for it and again that's when you know you found the right thing and 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 you know uh, i i always think uh, you ask somebody okay if you could make all this money mm-hmm. or you could do something you love every day and it makes enough money all right it it provides for the things but you feel like you have a purpose you feel like you're serving other people etc you know who who's the more successful person right well i think it depends on you mm-hmm. what what matters to you 
we we tend in this you know consumer driven you know life that was society that we live in um we measure people by what how much you know they have in their checking account what kind of a house they have what kind of a car they drive what kind of clothes they wear etc yeah. and you know there's a book uh, it's probably 15 20 years old now called the uh, millionaire next door i don't know if you ever yeah. saw that Great or book. read it okay so you know the reality is you know you got the people living over here that are wearing jeans and flannel shirts cutting their own grass driving the chevy you know, they go on one, maybe two vacations a year. And over here, they got the people putting the big addition on the house, driving the Mercedes Benz, you know, going flying all over the country, going to every vacation they want to. And people just assume that these people over here are the ones that got all the money and they don't realize, yeah, they made a lot of money and they spent it all. Mm-hmm. They don't understand delayed gratification. They're not saving for the rainy day. And it's that person over there with the flannel shirt and the jeans and the driving the Chevy that, that typically ends up being your true millionaire. Right. Right. Not, the person over here, when you add up their liabilities and take it away from their assets, they're actually in the negative. Yeah, they burned through it. They they burned through credit cards and loans and owe more on their house and right. you know those sort of things. Well, again, to me, it gets back to there's there's some balance there, right? That not I don't expect everybody to be the you know the millionaire next door you know lifestyle, but I think reality shows you that. You better be prepared for that rainy day. That just you said it earlier. There's certain core principles that stand the test of time, mm-hmm. right? You always there's a reason we have insurance because you don't know when some disaster might strike. Well, that's the reason why you ought to have money in your bank your bank account. You know the statistics I talk about in my book are are kind of they're distressing to me they're alarming that you know 78% of americans live paycheck to paycheck and yeah. 70% of americans have less than $1000 cash in their savings account and close to 60% of americans have less than $10000 saved for their retirement or well, the government will take care of me really yeah, you're willing right. to bet your future on that and uh, I just think that, that you know, uh, to me, it comes back to taking charge of your own life. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for other people. And that's that's a hard, I mean, it's it's a hard for a number of different reasons, right? I mean, it's hard because we're not set up like that through the schooling system. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard because that's constant development that you have to work with. Constantly getting better at something or refining it or practicing it. And a lot of the times, it's really hard unless you have somebody there to show you how to do that to know how to do that it's you don't know where to start you don't know what's the most important part of it you don't know what the next piece of the puzzle is like how do you i guess i want to ask you this just from you through your own history and from making from writing and creating this book what is that process for you i love that you talk about in your website about how you when somebody graduates from high school they should sit down with coach joe and you help them to understand, you know, what they're great at, what they excel at, and how to move forward. What is your process for that with somebody? Well, it, it even should begin before that, quite frankly, yeah, really. because I, I look at um, one of the things I talk about is, you know, why are we not asking the 15, 16, 17-year-old kids to start writing down your values? You know, again, you're going to get the blank stares from the bulk of them. They're going to say, well, what's a value? Yeah. You know, why don't, well, how do you do that? Well, you know what? We're going to introduce it to you and we're going to start. Are you doing this in like a, in like a, 
group setting, personalized you, setting? You How can, do you usually? Yeah, I've I've done it both. I okay. can do it one on one, small groups. Um, we've spoken to com, you know entire high schools. Uh, one we did ninth through twelfth grade, um, and then in uh, other examples we would do like the ninth graders separate than the 10th graders than the 11th graders than the 12th graders. And then I've, you know, again, spoken at vocational schools, at colleges, mm-hmm. um, you know, just cause it's never, you know, there, it's never too early or never too late to hear the message we're talking about so that people will end up what you've got right over <laughs> behind you, which is, you know, what matters to you? Yeah. You know, what is it? What, what are you good at? You know, so, because then you can refer back to that. Absolutely. Whenever you feel like something's going wrong, you can refer to that and be like, am I lining up with where I'm supposed to be? That that list has helped me so much. I looked at it last night, and I made some notes on it because that's what happened to me. I looked at it, and like, some, that's, uh, we were talking about personal assistance before we started, but like getting a personal assistant because there's things that I know need done that I'm not great at that aren't in my wheelhouse, but I have to have somebody do them. And for me to do them will take... 10 times longer than right. somebody else who's really good well, at that thing. Well, look at strength finders, okay, to, you know, uh, you know, they've got the Gallup, I think, does, took that over now. But um, the, the bottom line is, it, aren't you better off spending your time on the things you're really good at and you like to do? Yeah. And then there's all these things over here. So, okay, a boss comes in and says, hey, Rob – you know what, you're really good at all this stuff, but you've got to improve your organizational skills or you've got to improve your computer skills. You know? And it's like, well, why is the mindset not? No, that's it, I could put significant time, energy, and money trying to develop those skills. It's something I don't enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just hire somebody to do that, right? Yeah. And and let, let's focus in on our strengths. And uh, I see that happen a lot. Uh, I always talk about how we are horrible at training if you're working in a corporate setting, higher education, that sort of thing. We're horrible at, high, at training people how to give a semi-annual or annual evaluation, right? We're even worse training people how to receive one. Right. Matter of fact, I'll bet you very few places ever take the time to do that. So what typically happens? The person that is giving the evaluation isn't comfortable with it, doesn't know what they're doing. Um, it ends up being a debate. It ends up being confrontational. The person that's on the receiving end gets all defensive and they don't want to hear it. Well, okay, d- is this a surprise that it ended up that way? Yeah. So I, I still go back to clarity. What is, you know, so we talk, start working with 15, 16, 17, 18. Build, let's build this list of what are your values, what are your interests, what do you think you're good at, what do other people think you're good at. It's amazing how hard of a question that is to answer, too, especially when you're younger. Like, what are you good at? It's like a, an alarming question. I don't know why. Well, I'll give people... you a perfect example. So ask a 16-year-old at a tailgate at a Penn State football game, so what are you, what are you, what are you interested in? Well, what are you passionate about? Nothing. I, seriously, this is the, okay. So, well, what do you do with all your time? Oh, okay. okay, look, come on. You woke up, you know, where are you spending time? Okay, we find out the kid likes video games. All right, well, there you go, okay? you ha- That's an interest. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, all right, we, we've broken through that barrier. Okay, well, how much time are you spending on that? You know, five, six hours a day, okay? I'd say that's a passion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now... Is it the right place to spend your time and energy? 
Only you know that. What I've learned, and this is a lesson I've learned from my own son, who now works out in Silicon Valley, you know, the, the, you don't judge the book by its cover. The skills that some of these gamers learn is no different than what we were talking about earlier with athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you learn by playing a video game? You learn pattern recognition. You learn scenario planning, situational awareness. You 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 have uh, tactical, strategic skills. You're communicating with people. You're working with other people. Yeah. And and so to me, it's okay. So let's take that kid who mom and dad are mad at because they spend all their time down in the basement, up in their bedroom, and all they do is play video games. It's like, well, maybe we ought to just change our perspective. Let's change the frameworks. Okay, so we know you like to, all right, what parts of it do you like? You know, do you like the communicating with the other people? Do you, well, no, I like to be on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm the sniper guy. Okay, well, that tells us something, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, what parts of the game do you like the most? So uh, I work with a guy named uh, Dr. Jason Engerman who calls himself a playcologist, right? It's all about gamification of learning. Okay. And he talks about, you know, instead of us telling kids to just get rid of all their video games and get rid of their digital devices, that would be the same as, you know, somebody telling Henry Ford to get off his Model T and get back on his horse. <laughs> okay, well, instead, let's let's take these things and let's learn how can we use them in learning, you know. And, and again, my, my own personal uh, belief is we we need a hybrid version of that. It should be part digital, part in person, right? Because you, you're never going to get away from people's skills, right? We still, yeah. even with artificial intelligence coming around the corner, people's skills are probably going to be more important than ever. Right. It's because the one thing you have left. Robots AI. are going to do the rote things, yeah. okay? Which, if you think about it, we always talked about how, well, you know, the Jetsons, you know, we're going to let the robots do this and that, and computers will do this and that. Hey, that should give us, theoretically, more leisure time, more time to do the things we enjoy doing, right? Yeah. Instead, what we tend to do is, okay, we created this hole in our schedule. Let's fill it with some more work. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, let's let's try to have some balance and, and, you know, just a little bit more integration between our life and our work. And so I, you know, again, long way of answering your question about, you know, it's to me, it still comes back to, you know, asking kids critical thinking questions. Right. Um, instead, right now, it's all about rules. Procedures, policies, regulations, mm-hmm. right? And instead of it being, hey, let's go out and create this. Let's push envelopes. Let's, you know, because I've, I've heard this in my own career. Well, Joe, you just don't fit in any of our boxes. And I'm my thinking, uh, partly because I'm a little bit of a contrarian, I'm a little bit of a feather ruffler. I am a lot of a feather ruffler, actually. Um, it's 2018. Why do we need boxes? Why, why are we? Why do we think that way? Why are we not being creative? Why are we not rewarding that creative thinking? Mm-hmm. And, and instead of you know, and I understand we have to have systems, we have to have processes. True, no doubt. But there, there's more than one way to build the mousetrap. Not everybody needs the same formula to be successful. Yeah. You, you, you have these processes in place. Right. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be contradictory here. That's why I called the book Pragmatic Passion. You need both. 
Okay, and then the power of pragmatic passion is you got to get it done, you know, because my tagline is dream big, keep it real, get it done. You know, I want I hope people will dream big, but there's also a difference between a dream and a fantasy. Mm -hmm. The fantasy is when I drive down the highway right right not too far from here and I see that big billboard that says dream big. And you know what it's an advertisement for? The Pennsylvania State, you know, the lottery. Okay, <laughs> that is not a dream. That is a fantasy. Yeah. Okay, and to me, I, I want to go back to let's let's talk about well, what? Why is that your dream? Where did it come from? Does it align with your values? What matters to you? What you're interested in? What you're good at? So if we can align those things, that that's good. Then it's, you know, we we say, all right, let's keep it real. Well, you say you want to be a professional musician. Well, are you good enough? Because here's the difference, right? You can be a good accountant and make a good living. You can be a good marketing person and make a good living. Good engineer, make a good living. You have to be world class as a musician to really make a living. Yeah. Okay. Now, you that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You can you can play in a band, you know, on the weekends. That's a, and maybe you will hone your craft to become a professional musician sometime. But you know, there's only so many of those people. There's only so many of those spots. Yeah, and, it's a, that's a tough one, right? Because I just ran into this kid at the grocery store the other day, and he <laughs> I, he used to date my little sister, so he comes up to me and we're talking for a minute, and he starts telling me about how he's gonna become this musician and he's in this band and I'm like I was interested I was like oh so what's your band's name he's like oh we don't have a name yet and I'm like well who's all in the band he's like well we don't really have that all figured out and I was like so are there any songs or anything he's like no we didn't write anything yet there's no songs <laughs> and I was just thinking like but he's like I, I've seen it I see it I can see it in my mind me on stage and he's like going to this long I don't know if he's on drugs or what was going on but he was just rambling, <laughs> he was just rambling and rambling and and I was thinking, like, wow, buddy. And it's a shame because I we've all had those thoughts of, like, well, I can picture myself doing this thing, but you don't have any of the steps lined up to actually make the thing happen. So until you actually line those steps up and go through the process piece by piece, the vision's great. It's fantastic. It's just I look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. as always my, one of my favorite examples. He always talked about that vision. He had a vision of himself standing on stage. At Mr. Olympia, or being Mr. Olympia, you know, being Mr. Universe first. Like, seeing, he saw himself on stage. He could see it. He could see himself being uh, the biggest Hollywood actor in the world. He could see himself being the governor. But then he also went through the steps in the gym six hours a day, you know, like grinding away, at chipping away at that thing that he knew he wanted to get to. It's not good enough just to be able to see it. Everybody can, like, see something wonderful they could possibly attain someday. We can all make that vision in our head, but to like hold on to that vision and then well, let the universe and yourself put your put you into place. Absolutely, and, and it goes back to luck favors are prepared, right? Yeah. You know, you if you have honed your craft, I don't care if you're an artist, a musician, a, you know, you, you want to be an actor, an actress, a professional athlete. You know, when I look, Rob, I've spent my whole life in sports since 2010. The amount of money that is spent on youth sports mm -hmm. has gone up 50%. It's a $16 billion a year industry. Wow. Okay. On you, youth sports. You, you've got at the average, you know, youth hockey parent, for instance. This is like it, before junior high? Is that what's considered youth oh, it's, sports? It, or? Well, all the way up through high school. Oh, okay. All the way up. And, and you know, so I go back to asking somebody, so your son or daughter 
doesn't know as a 16-year-old what they're interested in, doesn't know what they want to study, but how much money have you spent, you know, hiring a career counselor, a, you know, a private guidance counselor. Or sitting down with them yourself and talking and, to them. Amen. You know? right? <laughs> Even that piece. And, and, but you won't think twice about sending them to three different showcase camps, buying them the best equipment, the best lacrosse stick, the best baseball bat, the best yeah. dance shoes, you know, gymnastics lessons, whatever it might be. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that people shouldn't be doing that because there's benefits from that. Oh, yeah. The discipline, the practice, the camaraderie. There are competencies that are learned. Where I have the problem with it is when they think that, you know, their, their kid's going to be the next, you know, superstar, you know, on stage, in the movies, you know. And if you go and look at the statistics and you realize what the odds are of that happening, mm-hmm. you know, it, it isn't pragmatic, right? And, you know, what we is look the definition at, of the word pragmatic? Realistic, um, practical, mm. um, something tangible, not theoretical. Okay. Okay. So, you know, if, if you're being pragmatic, it's, it's real. Yeah. All right. You're you're honing something and you've you've narrowed it down because it's it's something went through the process. You went right. Whereas, you know, uh, it, somebody that just says to you, find finding your passion. OK, well, you know, well, how do you do that? How do you find your passion? Oh, there it is around the corner. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> you, you, you've got to be pragmatic about it. OK, yeah. it starts with what are my values? What do I want? What am I interested in? What am I good at? What do my friends think I'm good at? Yeah. You know, what 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 is my ambition? What is my work ethic? What what is my will willpower? What gives you energy? Like that thing you do when you do and, it and, and you put a lot of work into it and you still are energized. Right. So that's I can always tell that's when I know like oh well that was something I it's, need. It's it's a feeling of the, pa- you're passionate about stuff. There's a feeling of exhilaration, right? Yeah. It gets back to what you said earlier. You don't even want to go to sleep. Yeah. You're in that flow state psychologists talk about where, mm-hmm. you know, you look over and go, oh, my gosh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Exactly, yeah. Oh, why has it got to be 2 o'clock in the morning? I'm not ready to go to bed. You need to because <laughs> you got to get your, your sleep, right? But you're so into what you're doing, right? And, yeah. okay, but I add the pragmatic piece to that. It still goes back to can it pay you, you know, so that you can make a living? Yeah. Will it pay the bills, you know? And what's wrong with, uh, we don't teach kids that it's okay, you know, so you want to be a novelist. I talk about this in my book, Erica Sallow. She was one of my interns. She's an English major, public relations major, um, tremendous young woman, okay? What do you want to do? Well, I want to write novels. Okay, you know how hard that is, right? So what her plan was, all right, well, I'm going to get this job in public relations. I'm probably going to have to go work for a corporation, I'll work in their PR department. I'll do I'll do the writing, honing my skill, mm-hmm. making money, <laughs> getting medical benefits, mm-hmm. practical, pragmatic, right? But in the meantime, my side hustle is I keep working and developing my writing skills. I start writing for a blog. I start doing these things that are going to help me. And then that keeps the dream alive of being a novelist. Yeah. Um, actors and actresses. I write in a book about uh, the Sachs family from up in State College. They were people who, you know, would, uh, you know, uh, do theater, 
Okay, they were trying to um, both be actors and actresses. This is Laura Ann and David Sachs, and they lived in Chicago, and they tried it. You know, they 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 went that route, and what they found was, oh my gosh, you know, you, okay, she so you got a job for six months, but you had to be in New York, while the other one was in Chicago, or you got to go to L.A., or okay, I got this gig locally. But it only was for six weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And then the show was over. And, oh, by the way, I didn't have benefits. I don't have a regular paycheck, you know. And they start looking around and going, uh, none of our friends are married. They don't have kids. They don't have homes. Like, what's the end game here? Yeah. Right? So she becomes a nurse. He ends up being a teacher, goes and gets a Ph.D., becomes a professor. So while she's being a nurse, he's being a professor, they did summer stock. Okay. Oh, okay. To the point where they made enough money in their vocations that they bought the Nittany Theater at the barn in Bullsburg, and they now produce the shows. Oh wow! They, how, how many years did it take them to go from that to that? You know, that's a good question, and I'm, without referring to the book, I'm not sure I could answer Probably a while. that. But, I mean, but yeah, oh yeah, it took away. It was this wasn't a this was a long plan, long term plan, right? Yeah. Well, now. They're both at the point where they can retire from their jobs. They still own the Nittany Theater at the barn. They just bought into another place down in Florida in their retirement home, mm-hmm. the villages. So in the winter, they're going to run their theater in, in Florida. In the summer, they come back and do it. That, to me, is a meaningful, joyful, successful lifestyle yeah right their dreams did come she never gave up on them yeah they just didn't you know it's stage of life yeah right they raised a family they they were able to pay the bills they had medical benefits right so that's that's where i think too many people miss out rob that they they don't understand that and and i go back to like well you know, Joe, how can you ask 15, 16, 17-year-olds these questions? Well, I don't expect them to have the absolute answer. It's right. going to evolve. And that's the tough part that's – that's the, the trick there is that it, that's not the answer. It's just getting the ball rolling, getting your brain thinking about it. Getting you because into a just... mindset of doing that and then doing what I call a you review. How many people do that? Oh, I, I, I get together with my accountant every year to do my taxes. That's not what I'm talking about. That's yeah. the review review for maybe your financial part of your life. Not yeah. really, because that's just your taxes. But, you know, I'm talking about you. What were your goals? What were your dreams? You know, did you sit down after every three months, every four months, every six months, at least once a year? Mm-hmm. Put it in your cell phone right now. You know, I'm going to do my you review and go someplace we're not going to be interrupted by social media, television people. Sit down and go, okay, I'm going to review these goals, what matters to me, what my values are, tweak them, update them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now you have, you know, you're able to start saying, and, and guess what? You're probably going to stay more focused on what it takes to achieve those goals if you do that. Yeah. You have a roadmap. Because what happens to too many kids nowadays is, they get to be 18, and mom and dad say, okay, you know, what are you doing now? Well, I don't know. You know, and what do we do? By default, we go to college. Yep. Right? Because you don't want to disappoint mom and dad. You don't want to sit oh. around at the house, so you got to go do something, make it look like you're doing something at least. Well, I'll go even one better. Mom and dad don't want to have to go to Thanksgiving holidays and say, well... <laughs> <laughs> My kid's working at the local restaurant. Right. They're not sure what they want to do because you're embarrassed. So, you know what? Here's the thing. 
I'm a big proponent of a gap year if you're not ready to go to college. If you really haven't done your due diligence and figured out what you think you might want to do, then don't go. Maybe take an online class. Yeah. Go to a community college class. Um, work. Don't sit at home on the couch and play video games all day or watch another episode of the Kardashians, you know, that sort of thing. That's yeah. not the answer. Have a plan. Okay, I'm going to go do job shadowing. I'm going to start reading up on some careers. I'm going to get an assessment done. I'm going to hire a career counselor, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And now you start. Now, to me, those are things that should have happened in high school. Yeah. Well, any parent that's listening to this and hears this, I can tell you that unless your kid was assertive and took matters into their own hands and demanded the time of their guidance counselor, that guidance counselor is so overwhelmed right now, they're just trying to do the paperwork the state requires. They're not, they don't really get to know your kids. Mm -hmm. They don't know them, not all of them. So why take that chance? You get involved. You get together with your kid and go over those things because... What what is do people think that at eighteen we all just have this epiphany right. and we know what we want to do? No, it's a process. The people I want to be a rapper when I was eighteen. I wish somebody would have came to me when I was eighteen and been like, "Rob, you're an idiot. Don't you're not being a rapper." <laughs> they could have reviewed me pretty easily and been like, "That's probably not the right career move." But you want to be in broadcasting in some way, shape, or form. That's the right route. You know, and, and adjust it. Right. Because there was, there was something there, because I was already in, I was already doing radio at the time, so it was like, there's a avenue, maybe you have the right idea, but you need to steer that in the right direction, and, and there's, it's a shame that people don't, whether it's a teacher, guidance counselor, parent, all along the line, I mean, obviously, a lot of them are too overwhelmed, overworked, parents are usually too overworked as well to, to sit down, and I think another, you can answer this uh, I'm curious how you would answer this. Like, I think a lot of parents are afraid to sit down and, and talk to their kids about this stuff because they are not living out their dreams. Yes. So they're afraid to admit, like, well, I'm not doing what I want to do. And then they have to have the self-awareness of, like, oh, crap. The self-realization. I'm also not doing self what I'm about. Self-awareness. Aristotle. Know thyself. Yeah. Right? I, it, that it's is the such, hardest thing in the world to do. It is. Sometimes. To look in the mirror. And be honest and, with yourself. And be honest with the only person that really matters in terms of holding you accountable is that person staring back at you. And guess what? We're human. Get over it. We all make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've lived a flawed life. I know that. There's things I wish I could go back and have a do-over. Well, that's you know? why it's all worked for you in the end, though, right? That's, that's why the book was written. That's why you, the Pagola Ice Arena happened. That's why the Sabres job happened, because... You stumbled through and figured uh, it out. You grind. Yeah. You just, you, and, and you know what? You put yourself in a position to get lucky mm -hmm. because you've mastered a craft. You've worked on things. You are passionate about certain things. And there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, people, everybody has this within them, Rob. And it, and it does not matter. You can, it's never too late and it's never too early mm -hmm. to start thinking about these things. And the, if you haven't up to this point, so what? Even that person that's re just recently retired from that job they did for 40 years that they went to and what Gallup calls the 51% of the people who were just there. Mm -hmm. You know, Gallup's study shows 30% of people are engaged. You got, you know, another 17, 18, 19% that are disengaged and actually toxic to the workplace. And then you got the 51% of the people who are just there. All right. 
and they'll so guess, be there their entire career, just right. being there. Just being okay. So now you've retired, and and they look back and go, "Oh my God, I I didn't do anything. Like right. I just you know I was that survivor, right? Okay, so be it. But guess what? At least you survived. You've yeah. probably built up a retirement fund. You've got medical benefits. Yeah. You've you. So now you're 65. You know, seven, whatever it is. Well, what? So now go after it. Now dream your dream. Yeah. It's never too late. Where you does know? your passion come from for that? Because that's a rare thing to have happen, especially past. I don't know what the age would be. I I, I think for myself, even leaving my job at 33 was really tough because it's like when, once you're inundated with a career and this is your profession and you're you work for somebody the idea of like going out and doing it on your own is so daunting it's like how do i even start that so for yourself what's that mindset like i mean obviously we're going through it and you're kind of telling us while we're we're talking but i i put my drive i I took a dose of my own medicine Mm. i found mentors and coaches at what point uh when i when i was done with the uh sabers um, I came home and I decided I was going to give this a try on my own, and it was a pretty naive, you know, at first. I, I so so you got went to the, the the whole Pagula Ice Arena thing happened. You got the job with the Sabers. You was, went and worked there. You realized the management spot you were at was not for you. Yeah. So you reached the the peak of where you wanted to be as far as your vision. And goes. I was living in Buffalo. Okay. My family was still in State College. Oh wow. Okay. So here's a guy That's that a talks about too. his number one value being family. And you pulled away from it. I was lonely. Um, I was not happy with what I was doing. I did not enjoy some of the people I worked with. Mm-hmm. And it was bad. I mean, I was a mess, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And and it was the right thing. It was the right thing for me. It was the right thing for... How the, old were you at the time when this all happened? Uh, 56. Wow. Okay. And so it was, okay, now what? Right, so I I you decided got the thing you wanted, and now it's like well, yeah, well I don't now like here that. now the good news again go back to stage of life. I've retired from Penn State, and I still have access to all the medical benefits. Yeah. I still have access to the tuition reduction. Yeah. So that was a conscious decision. I again I don't know that I could have done this without that. I did very yeah. well with the Buffalo Sabers, so I was able to sock away a lot of money. And How long are you with the Sabres for? I had a three-year contract. Okay. So you wrote so, that contract out. Yes. And so at the end of that, I started doing, I started writing the book mm-hmm. and I started, so I'm going to be a professional. I've always wanted to be a professional speaker, always wanted to write a book. So I start doing that and I give a talk and I end up one of the groups that I spoke to two months later, I end up going to work there. <laughs> All right. Why? I went to work. I did not do what you've got. I, I went against, you know, I, I was at that point where I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a professional speaker. And instead, I went for the paycheck. An opportunity came up because that's what you knew, right? Right, I mean, that's, right. Well, and that's what and, most know, people would do. I'm yeah. talking to my wife and, you know, you're sitting there going, okay, the steady paycheck versus the, you know, from one up month to another. You never know where this is going. Yeah. And I did that for six months and it was rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> Um, I was miserable again. I, I, it, 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 it finally got to the point where I was, you know, self-awareness. I am really not very good as an administrator. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it? And then I, I made that conscious decision. 
I, ta- I spoke to uh, several key people in my life and decided I, it was time for me to go after this other career and go, go at it. So I, I had a couple of different people that I met with that, that, that quote, coached me. Um, and, you know, I had to pay for it. You know, I mean, well, that's the best way. The, the best coaches you got to pay for. I, you know, paying, paying for. I had an executive because... coach out of New York City. She was not cheap, <laughs> but she was really good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I had a lot of pushback with her. And she was the one that kind of, you know, was her and a couple other people that helped me say, all right, Joe, you, this, this is what you want to do. This is what you're good at. You, you had know, pushback from her in what sense? Well, she, when I would go negative, she would beat me up. Mm. She wouldn't let me, which is what I needed. Yeah. I needed somebody to say, you know, Joe, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Joe, quit going negative. Joe, stay focused, yeah. right? And, uh, and that was, I didn't realize it at the time how important that was for me. So important. But, you know, and, and it's really, like I said, I, I've always loved you know, public speaking, it's, you know, uh, I'd like to think I'm good at it. I'm sure there's other people out there that, you know. I'd say you're pretty good at it. Well, I, I will say this. Just okay. from having this conversation. I mean, some people just have it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that, especially when you have the knowledge for the thing you're talking about. I mean, if you ask me just to go out and speak, I don't know how great I'd be. But if you ask me to go out and speak on things that I know, I could ramble on for hours. And, 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 with no and, issue and, and with, engage the audience with and, confidence you'd be engaging you would be happy yeah you feel you're giving value you're giving to people value. and that's that's where i am like uh, you know at, at first i tried to get in well i'm going to be this kind of executive coach what how can i be a business executive coach i've never run a business yeah. you know i've never been an entrepreneur why should i be out there giving people advice on that let's go back to what i know about yeah i know people I know how to coach young people and help them figure out what they want to do, what they want to be. I can help build teams. Um, I feel like I'm good at, you know, getting things done, mm-hmm. you know, pushing people past the, the goal line, so to speak. And and so that was where I wanted. And that's that's what gave me the uh, the idea to write The Power of Pragmatic Passion. And the book, I got to tell you, it evolved. You know, and I worked with a coach there. I hired Weston Lyon from Plug and Play Publishing in Swickley, Pennsylvania. Okay, and he was rec- he was referred to me from another young man, Brad Kilmeyer. His story is very similar in a sense to yours. Brad was in financial management, didn't like it. Um, that's what he got his degree in, you know, at, at college, but he just didn't care for it, and he decided to become a youth, a professional youth speaker. Mm-hmm. And it's what he's passionate about. He wrote a book at the age of 27, wow. you know, and that's what he's doing. Well, I heard him speak. I was blown away by him. I went up to him. I introduced myself, started talking. He and I are now doing programs together. He recommended Weston Lyon to me. Weston was my coach writing the book. And, you know, I'll get, I, I had to pay to do that. Well, I've made that money back you know, then that's some. the thing. You usually make that money back within yeah. the first the first couple uh, 
clients you have come in or whatever that looks like, right? right? Well, and that, that exactly. payment usually pays you get, off. You get speaking quickly. gigs and people are buying your book, and the next yeah. thing you know, it's and it was well worth it. And and I owe a lot to both Brad Kilmeyer and to Weston Lyon. I've got a, another gentleman, Brad Mitchell, that's the CEO of the National Athletic Professional Success Academy, that took me under his wing and. You know, I, I work with him as a vice president of development for, for that. We're working with former NFL players, uh, helping them to transition into the real world. And guess what we start at, Rob? What are your values? <laughs> what are you interested in? What matters to you? Because, again, they see themselves only as football players. Right. And that's pretty much what the rest of the world sees them as. What we've realized is, again, go back to it. If you could learn 17 different game plans in a in a season, learned learned all that you 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 basically learned a foreign language, understanding a playbook. Yeah. All right. You understand pattern recognition. You understand situational awareness. Blah blah blah. You know the same things we talked about earlier. You have these competencies within you. We just got to bring them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring them out. And and we talk about in NAPSA, we're in the confidence building business. You know, it's you no, know, you were not a you know line middle linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals you are a high performing employee in a competitive industry <laughs> that just happened to work for the National Football League franchise located in Cincinnati and talk about a competitive industry like what percentage of football players even get to the NFL let alone oh, last two three four five it, the seasons? average career is three years it's insane and, and so it's a you point know, what zero one percent of any player ever makes that, it again that goes back to when I so talk crazy. when I talk to the parents who I think are living too many are living vicariously through their children yeah you know I might my, my kids gonna make it they're going to earn this college scholarships they're going to go on and play in the pros yeah and you start to say look maybe that's going to happen you know because you know this kid did it and that kid did it you know and and hey there's a kid local kid here sam lafferty all right he made it and he did it quietly sam was very talented but he worked his tail off you know he ends up using his hockey to get an education from brown you know, and and then his hockey kept developing, and Sam's now playing on a professional contract uh, in Wilkesbury for the Baby Penguins. He was, you know, so now I can tell you that Sam is going to make more money over the course of his life using that degree he got from Brown. But in the meantime, he did. He is good enough that he's able to play pro. Okay, that's one kid. Mm-hmm. How many other kids from around here did that? <laughs> Right. That's what people don't want to think about. Yeah. Right. Is that the odds are not great. You have to be a special talent. You have to have special capabilities, work ethic, et cetera. And, you know, uh, yeah, there's always going to be you look at the kids that are playing minor league baseball. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're lucky to sign a, you know, big signing bonus. okay, But then they toil around in the minor leagues. Right. How long do you want to do that? Now your body's getting wear and tear on it, especially when you start talking about hockey or football, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, I could go on and on about the whole sports thing, but, you know, I, I just think it comes back to that pragmatic part. I'm not trying to bust anybody's bubble and dreams, but at some point you got to understand that, you know, Clint Eastwood back in Magnum Force said a man's got to know his limitations. And it actually <laughs> takes – if you think about it, it does take um, looking in the mirror, and it takes a certain level of maturity to say, you know what, 
I'm probably not good enough to be a rapper. Right. <laughs> I'm not good enough to be, you know, dancing with the Rockettes. I'm not good right. enough. You know, that's okay. You know, you gave it as long as you gave it your best shot, right? That then, you know, to me, the shame is when somebody has that talent and never utilizes it, and you know, gives up on it because they started you know, believing the accolades and they quit working at it. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, like you could have, right? When you, when you, your vision happened, that would be like, well, it happened. I yeah. did it. Now I'm going to be this administrative assist or administrator. And then you're going to despise the rest of your working existence. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause you wouldn't have liked it. You would have had what you wanted and then it wouldn't have ended up making you happy. Right. Because, well, because you needed another goal. You needed to set another one. There's yeah. the next level and, and go there. Absolutely. And I, you know, I look at this and go, my gosh, I published a book. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And talk about right? it, like people talk about books and that's one of the best like lead magnets you can have, right? Because right. this thing you can refer back to it in so many different ways and shapes and forms. And it's that thing, that rock there that proves I did this, yeah. right? And I have I mean, anybody could write a book technically, but when you have all the years put in that you do and you put this thing together. Well, and I, I appreciate that you said that because, you know, there are people, I, I see it all the time. There's some people that are out there that are 21, 22, 23 years old and they're writing a book about, you know, certain things and you just shake your head and go, they, they haven't even done anything yet. Right. They haven't lived anything. How, do, how, how are you going to get advice from them? Yeah. Right. When it comes, uh, there's a few fields like if it's social media, right? Right. I mean, if you're 26 writing a book on social media and you've been in it for five, 10 years, you probably have a lot more knowledge than a lot of people that, do because it's so new. That's, it's, it's you're right. A, you're, there's always exceptions, right? Yeah. But remember, but for like, the most part, I, I hear these kids talk about ninja. In the esports e world, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, I'm going to be the next ninja. And then <laughs> right. you start saying, you, you do understand there's like, you know, a dozen of them in the world yeah. that make that kind of money, right? Yeah. You, you, I'm just saying, go back, keep it real, keep it real, right? And then go get it done. Okay, you want to be ninja? Then you better have, let's face it, to a certain extent, that kid's got certain hand-eye coordination skills oh, yeah. and he's got a brain that allows him to process things you know no not everybody has that mm -hmm. okay so maybe you're it's not it's just like shaquille o'neal not everybody can be that size no. you know and with him there's something going on in his brain not everybody can do what he does the but, I, dexterity but, but he's the to me he should be the model one of the model you know because not only was he a great athlete, he's he's turned into a great business person, yeah. right? So there's that's what happens to so many of these well, professional athletes. Well, because he's in athletes. his pocket. That's like that's. I mean, obviously he's made to do that thing. Yeah, that's his thing. Right. When you say about video games, it's a really good point because yeah, you could dissect somebody who loves playing video games and figure out who they are through what they like about that. And I've never thought about it that way. That's a really good way of breaking it down because well, every kid loves video games. Before well, anybody boy. gets, you know, says, oh, this guy's, you know, just so negative, you know, about certain things. No, look, people forget this. When Microsoft first started hiring and IBM hiring people to do coding, do you know who they hired in a lot of cases? Musicians. Oh, yeah? Because they understood patterns. Okay, know. right? So I always talk about, all right, if you're passionate about music, go for it, right? You want to do, do do what you got to do. But if it doesn't work out, don't go, okay, I'm a failure. Uh, you know, what do I do now? I guess I'm going to go wait tables at the local restaurant. No, 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 no. If you could do that, 
you can do all these other things. Yeah. Right? It's no different. Like, I, I spoke to a Penn State grad. I saw him at the pit game. Hey, so cool. You know, they, what'd you get your degree in? Aerospace engineering. Whoa, you working for like Lockheed Martin or Boeing or something? Nah, I haven't been able to find a, you know, a job in the industry. I'm, I'm a manager at a, you know, another business. And I'm looking at him and going, dude, if you're smart enough <laughs> to be an aerospace engineer, yeah. just pivot a little bit, right. tweak it a little bit. Maybe go back and take a couple of classes in civil or mechanical or something. You're a smart kid, yeah. right? Why Why would you sell your just because you can't get a job right now at this moment right. in your business? To me, don't waste your skill. Don't waste it. That's the kind of thing that you can learn by working with a coach. Yes. The coach is going to help you figure out, all right, just no different than what I went through, you know, and now I have this purpose again. Now I have this passion. Uh, it came from the vision. And, you know, so here we got pragmaticpassion.com. By the way, if you want to buy the book, <laughs> go to Pat Pragmatic. It's, it is available on Amazon, but I'd prefer you buy it for me, pragmaticpassion.com. And uh, I'll personalize it. If you go on there, I'll personalize it. And, uh, you know, it, it it's... Uh, uh, a dream come true for me now that you know I've, I'm a published author. Um, I'm doing public speaking. I'm helping people, mm-hmm. which is you know really what is what motivates me. Um, you know I've always believed, and I learned this from my father, that somebody has to care. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so you know, again, I can't worry about the the mistakes I've made. I can't worry about the fact that things might not have worked out the way I wanted them to in a previous job. I've got to go forward, and that's you know, how do you get? I talk about three C's. You got to have commitment. You got to have confidence, and you have to have courage. All right, so you got to make a commitment to something. Well, you better know what that is. That gets back to values. What matters to you. You get that confidence. The question, people talk about why, Simon Sinek, right? Why? Most people want to know how, mm-hmm. how. Okay, well, here's how you get the confidence. Education. You get online. You teach yourself. You hire a coach. They train you. You go to college. You go to vocational school. And okay? then you get your hands dirty. You So now you've experienced it. Now you've got the confidence. But even with that, there's people that, Still, for some reason, they they hold themselves back or they won't go after a particular job. Now you got to have the courage to get it done. Mm-hmm. All right, you got to you develop that courage by trying to get out there, put yourself, go apply for some jobs that are you know maybe a little bit of a, out of the reach. Get the experience. The more you interview, as long as you go in knowing that look, uh, you know, there's going to be some no's out there. So what? Hey. Baseball players make millions of dollars for hitting the ball three out of ten times, right? The, the rejection's okay, yeah. all right? It, it just means, you know, the guy that founded, uh, what's his name, uh, the, uh, Starbucks. I, I always forget his last name, but... Um, I don't know his name. 248 banks he went to before somebody finally said, okay, we'll, we'll take a chance on you with this idea. Mm-hmm. 204, that's perseverance. Well, was right. it, was it, who invented the light bulb? Was it Edison? Edison. Or, uh, Edison, yeah. 10,000 experiments yeah. before he perfected it. What did he say? I I, I just found out 9,999 ways not to build a light bulb. <laughs> right? uh, the guy who created KFC. I can't think of his. Uh, Colonel Sanders. Was it, yeah, what was his first name? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Right. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, he failed. He was like in his uh, 60s 60. or 70s until yep. he figured out that formula and actually got it right. Well, so, yeah, you, I mean, maybe he was in the wrong field for a long time and it, finally you know pieced what? it together later Again, on in life. T- t- things, you know, you you can't win the game if you're not in the game. Yeah. Right? So you you got to figure out, well, what field am I supposed to be on? <laughs> what what time, what stage of life? Yeah. Um, these things matter. And I, and I still go back to, I read a book long ago by Don Shulo and Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard wrote The One Minute Manager, which is still one of the best books and, you know, business books ever. Um, those two combined and wrote a book called Everyone Needs a Coach. Mm. And I've never forgotten that, that, you know, again, when it when it's at the margin, you're not sure which way to go because it can lead to depression. It can yeah. lead to anxiety. Go ask for help. Mm-hmm. Go get some help, all right? And, Absolutely. And, and remember that it's 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 no different than anything in, in life. You and know? that's okay. People are afraid to admit. And I mean, even me in my own personal life, there's certain things where I look at it and I'm like, I know I need to do that. I, I need to ask somebody for help. But it's like you got to be humble, right, and being able to check your Go ego ask the question check your ego yeah. at the door and you know don't ever stop learning right don't ever stop uh, i i think the only bad question is the one that's not asked yes right i mean so you make a fool out of yourself who cares yeah. you know you you ask a question it might change your life so some people over here laugh at you a little bit mm-hmm. you know well what happens if the the answer you got gives you that aha moment mm-hmm. right and turns your life around who cares what they think those people you want to be around them anyway yeah right to me what happens with a lot of people and and particularly true with teenagers they end up in these toxic friendships right Mm -hmm. they end up hanging out with kids that take them down the wrong path because it's easier to follow that person where i don't have to put myself out there where i'm just going along with the gang than it is to say you know what guys gals this isn't right we're, this we shouldn't be doing this, right? I, 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 you know, this isn't benefiting me. It's not adding value to my life. It's taking me the wrong direction. I, you know, hey, I can still be your acquaintance. You know, I still get along with you, but I'm gonna go hang out over here because mm-hmm. these are people that I'm gonna surround myself with. These people who are gonna push me to be better than I ever thought I could be. Who are gonna help me get there. Who genuinely care. You, you, you always want to be around those people that have a servant leadership mentality. They, they put other people first. They're other-centered. And that's like, for me, if I, you know, if this ends up making me a lot of money, woo great. If it makes me enough money to pay the bills, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Eventually, when I do get to retire, I'd like to be able to do some of this pro bono. I want to go to certain schools and places where maybe they they don't have the resources or the budget to have somebody like me come in and speak and if i can go in there and inspire some young person and it changes their life and it opens up opportunities to them that they previously didn't think about then i'll feel like i've lived a pretty purposeful and meaningful life and bring joy to other people i'm I'm okay with that rob that's powerful that's 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 exactly how it should be that's the the way to move forward with life. Uh, this has been awesome. I, I love this conversation. Uh, 
if anybody wants to get the book, you already said pragmaticpassion.com. Yep, yep. pragmaticpassion.com. They can also and buy it on Amazon, but they should buy it from the website. Yeah, I'd prefer they do that. Yeah, you can go on and, and, and order it there, and I'll personalize it. I'll sign it and, uh, you know, ship it off to you. But uh, it's been a blast. Doing what about, this. like, your social media platforms and stuff? They can find you on there. Are yep. you active uh, on social media? At Coach Joe um, is uh, my Facebook, I believe. And uh, and Instagram, and I do have Twitter. Yep. So I'm 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 learning. Cool. I'm not great at that. You know, I'm still the old dog learning the new That's tricks. That's the stuff but... you got to outsource sometimes, right? When it yeah. Gets, uh, yeah. Well, confusing. I have this technologically, uh, you know, uh, expert uh, son of mine in yeah. California. I got to get him to, you know, try to help me. He's trying. Right. Dad, dad, dad sometimes not always the most patient uh, learner, but as my my daughter says, Dad, sometimes you got to take a take a lesson from your own book and, right. and she's right that's the point i said you know one of the reasons i wrote this was because i want other people to avoid some of the mistakes i made yeah. along the way and i don't i don't know anybody that's got all the answers rob Nobody i'm does, constantly yeah. i i subscribe to a bunch of people i get stuff from walk the talk brian tracy jordan peterson jack canfield you know here here's the thing to me that bothers me about some young people. They wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is put on all this music that's negative mm -hmm. or they turn on the news and it's all what? Negative, mm -hmm. right? It's all bad. And that's the first thing you hear and see when you wake up. Yeah. How about being purposeful and, in, and, and intentional and listen to a, a positive podcast, a, a three-minute goal cast, yeah. right? Or some positive music yeah that sort of thing right it's like people don't realize and i didn't for a long time that might be the most important thing you got to start your day off right yeah tony robbins always talks about priming you have to prime like he primes the first 20 minutes to an hour of his day is spent just getting himself prepared for the day tim ferris is the same thing like he always is waking up doing a certain i mean my morning routine is it's a regimen like it's been sometimes it's like 40 minutes sometimes it's an hour but if I don't do those things, like you said, I get up, I stretch, I do, I listen to some sort of positive podcast or music and just get my mind where it should be. Because I usually wake up kind of crabby, as a lot of people do. If you wake up crabby and then you start uh, taking in negative information right away, that's a bad start off I, to the day. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think people, and the other thing is people waste an awful lot of their time. They'll, they'll talk about, I don't have time to learn this, or I don't have time to learn that. And I yeah. say, you know what, don't give me that. I'll bet you if we sat down and, and we really journaled where you're spending every minute of your day, we can find time for you to sneak in an online class right. or a certificate program or a, a webinar, whatever it might be. There, there's no excuse to me these days for not being able to learn something that you want that's going to help you get to your dreams, to, to achieve your goals. You have to be intentional. You know, hey, how many times are you sitting in a doctor's office, right? What are you going to do? Watch the whatever channel they have on or pick up one of those magazines they have on me? Uh, plug in your earphones and listen to a TED Talk. Yeah. You know, listen to a goal cast. I, the, to me, that's that's you just have to be intentional about those things. Yeah, and you're gonna learn and to use your critical thinking skills. Just because somebody says something, I like the fact that that I'll I'll hear something from a Tony Robbins, from a Gary Vaynerchuk, from a Jack Canfield, and say, well, I don't agree with that. All right, 
I'm at that level where I have the confidence to say, well, okay, that works for them. That wouldn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're wrong. I just have to apply my filter, use my critical thinking skills and say that I just know me and that that particular path won't work for me. I'm going to try this one over here. Yeah. But do something. Yeah. Do something. (laughs) And when it it doesn't work, experiment, switch it up and do something else. Amen. And, and, you know, uh, we should teach people, you know, to that it's okay to to fail, you know, and. Mm You know, unfortunately, the school system sets it up like you fail. You we all know that the school system doesn't work the way it is, but nobody has the courage to fix it. Right, right. Nobody, nobody wants to change it. It's like government, or it's it's so big, it's almost immovable. Right, it's it's, and that's why I look at online education, like uh, Masterclass Online or Skillshare or uh, Udemy or Teachable, like these platforms where you can go and get something that you'd pay maybe $500 for online that you'd pay 50, 60, $70,000 for in a college situation. And you probably get better information and more current information from the online version than you would the college version, especially when it comes to anything online or digital. And that's crazy. Uh, but that's just the, the way things are. Well, I, I will, I got to tell you, to me, this is the next big potential financial crisis is what's going on with student debt. Oh, no and doubt. that's why to me, if you don't have the money, you know, to, to go $100,000 in debt to get a sociology degree mm-hmm. makes no sense to me. No, okay? it's ridiculous. Um, you, 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 you have to be smarter than that, okay? You're, you're either going to the wrong school, you know, and, and the other thing that people don't understand is what's the matter? If you're one of those people that doesn't have the money, you know, of course somebody's going to give you the free, you know, loan, you know, that you think it's free until you got to yeah. go pay it. And you're going to end up... Want, all this debt, why not, okay, I'll work part-time, I'll start taking some classes at a junior college or at a at a Penn State branch campus, for instance, yeah. right? Online, whatever. Build up enough credits, make sure they tra- they're transferable, right? You're paying half, a third of what you would have paid to go to a certain school, and then you transfer when you've actually grown up, matured, and said, okay, now I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Now I'm emotionally, mentally, and physically ready to go. Parents, sometimes they're the, their own kids' worst enemies. We know that 49%, according to a Harvard study of kids that start out a four-year degree, never finish. That tells me between that and all the student debt we have, we're doing something wrong. And it's a shame, and I'm devoted to try to correct that, to help kids. There's kids that shouldn't be going to college and they're only going because mom and dad's egos. They should be going to a trade school. Maybe they should be going to the military. Maybe they should just be getting a job mm-hmm. and, and making some money until they grow up a little bit and figure it out. Yeah. And so what if you figure out at 24 instead of 18? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Better better to do that than be $200,000 of debt, graduate and go, oh, crap, I got a degree that doesn't get me a job. Yeah. Then you get a job at Sheets or something and do uh, something that has nothing to do with your major. And you Yeah, know, it's crazy. I, I, we, I know we got to end because you and I, we're kindred spirits. We could talk forever. <laughs> I honestly so, could. Yeah. Well, Joe, I, I'm glad you're doing this. It's amazing, especially for our area, especially for central Pennsylvania. I mean, I know State College is a little more uh, forward-thinking than Altoona and the areas around here, but around here we really need stuff like this because it's it, there's a lot of people who are uh, wayward, don't really have – 
they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to do what they want to do or they don't even know what that is, the, the first step. So I feel like this is really important for uh, anywhere or in the world, but especially for areas like this. So thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. This Absolutely. was fun. My man, Joe. Wow. What an awesome conversation. That was amazing. That's inspirational. I hope that you got something out of it. I know I did from just having the conversation with Joe, uh, being able to sit across from him, but hopefully you pulled something out of that for yourself. Get that book, The Power of Pragmatic Passion, Seven Common Sense Principles for Achieving Personal and Professional Success. Man, I'm, I'm, I want to start reading it right now, so i got to wrap this thing up. Shout out to my dude, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP Yoga, life-changing workouts. You know, yoga might be something if you're a guy you scoff at. Please don't. Please give it a shot, especially when it comes to Diamond Dallas Page. DDP yoga is something that's changed my body. It's made me so strong. I actually did it earlier before this podcast. I got a session in. 40 minutes. My body felt amazing. And, you know, like after you lift or, like, you know, do heavy cardio or something like that, you're you, sometimes you're done working out and you're wiped out, you're exhausted, you can't do anything else. Not DDP, man. It re-energizes you. It recharges your body. I'm telling you, especially guys, do it. Try yoga. Try do DDP yoga. If you don't want to do, uh, in air quotes, girls yoga, you know, I'm not. I think all yoga is tough, but if you really want to start somewhere that's for men, DDP yoga is the spot. Do that. Shout out to Joe Batista. Thank you so much for the amazing conversation and I want to get him back on here get that book and zebras thank you for listening as always all the music on the podcast by my man Jake over if you need a good dude awesome music producer look for him on Facebook Jake over and if you want to help the podcast out patreon.com forward slash Rob Z radio we'll talk to you next time thank you very much This is Rob Z Radio.